You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I want you to know that the, the same God that we read in the Old Testament is the same God present in the New Testament. There's some very, very terrible teaching and terrible theology out there. I need you to understand God hasn't changed. Our perception may have, our misunderstandings may have increased, but God is the same in the Old Testament. And if you think he's a meanie in the Old Testament, you don't understand. Whatever you read in the natural in the Old Testament is now a spiritual reality in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, there was a physical Goliath. In the New Testament, there are spiritual giants that will oppose you. In the Old Testament, there were physical enemies, the Amalekites, the Philistines, that tried to steal from God's people. In the New Testament, the war is no longer against flesh and blood. It's amazing how people who don't read their Bible say silly things. So Paul says, we no longer wrestle against flesh and blood, but our... War is against principalities, powers, thrones, and dominions, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So you need to understand it's the same warrior that you see in Exodus. The same warrior you see in the Old Testament is the same warrior you see in the New Testament. I want to break down uh, warrior tonight into three components. And just in the few moments that I have with you tonight, I, I feel like I'm on an assignment from God to awaken these truths, awaken these realities. Then we're going to have a ministry moment at the end because I, I don't want one man walking out of here tonight not recognizing who he is in God, not recognizing what he has in God, and not walking out clothed in those things. So you, you will read in the Bible, in the New Testament, that he has made us kings and priests. Again, bad teaching says that there are kings or priests. That I'm a priest and, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it helps a lot of churches. You know, you're a king. You go out and make money and then you support the priest. And, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we are kings and priests. We are kings and priests. A king takes territory. A priest atones and sanctifies the territory. He makes that holy ground. God said to Moses, every place the sole of your foot shall tread, I have given you. Before that, he says, take the sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Because I'm here, it's my ground, but because I'm here, it is holy. He was teaching Moses how to sanctify. He was teaching Moses how to deem sacred. Kings take territory, priests atone and sanctify that territory, but gladiators protect and defend that territory. Gladiators protect and defend that territory. I need you to understand that Jesus is a king. He has authority. He's a priest. He operates in power. But he clothed himself as a gladiator. Where does it say that? Glad you asked. In the book of Isaiah 59, verse 15, it says, Truth was lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. 
the Lord saw it and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no man to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and he wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, he repaid wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies, to the coastlands he will render repayment. And I need you to understand that in the Garden of Eden, Adam was a king. He was a priest. He was already prophesying and ministering over his bride, but he failed to be a gladiator. When the serpent came, failed to be a gladiator when the serpent came. So tonight I want to speak into that. Let me read the scripture and then we're going to go to the screen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to come with me to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John chapter 4. Gospel of John chapter 4. I think the, the words will come up on the screen behind me. John chapter 4, verse 43. It says, Now after two days he departed from there and he went to Galilee. This is speaking about Jesus. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor except in his own country. So let me read that again. Now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they had also gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Canaan of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. The first miracle Jesus did turn water into wine. Now he's in the same place. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will be by no means believe. The nobleman said, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word. Everyone say, believe the word. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday, at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the exact hour, the same hour, in which Jesus said to him, your son lives, and he himself believed, and his whole household. This is again, or this again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. This is a story about a, a father who fights for his son, for his son's life. This is about a father who fights the good fight of faith. This is, this is a father that will not accept death. This is a father who chases after Jesus. This is a father who won't be dissuaded or discouraged. But I want you to, to, to see that in verse 44, the key to this entire story is, is unpackaged, is unfolded. Where, where it says in verse 44, when Jesus comes to Galilee, it says, for Jesus himself testified that a prophet is not without honor has no honor in his own country. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. In Mark chapter 6, Jesus comes to his hometown. He could do no mighty work there, 
Savior laid his hands on a few sick people. And he marveled that he couldn't do any mighty work in his hometown. The Bible says because of their unbelief. But Jesus said it wasn't because of their unbelief. Unbelief was a surface symptom. He said the, the, the core, the root of it was a lack of honor. He said a prophet is not without honor. And here it injects verse 44. Because Jesus was in an atmosphere of honor, and I want you to catch this. Because he was in a, in a place of honor, he did not need to physically be present to heal the son. Jesus did not, Jesus did not need proximity for this miracle. Because there was an atmosphere of honor. Because of the atmosphere of honor, Jesus was just able to say, your son lives. And when he said, your son lives, the man believed the word because he had honor for who Jesus is. One of the themes that you will find that, that, that permeates the way that we do emerge is it has a foundation of honor. In heaven, honor is not lacking and God's power flows limitlessly. On earth, honor is continually lacking and we find sporadic the move of God we find sporadic miracles and God's power when I came to America it was amazing because I'd never seen such honor in any nation just to help you uh, I have no problem stepping into speaking into the political arena have no problem. No problem with it at all. Don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. I don't, don't give a rip. My job is, my assignment is to take the word of God and speak into every area, not just religious areas. You don't believe the Bible will speak to you about your business. The Bible will speak to you about marketplace. The Bible will speak to you about being a husband. The Bible will speak to you about being a father. The Bible will speak to you about being creative. The Bible will speak to you about being an artist. And the Bible speaks into every area. And it's the devil that doesn't want the Bible in the political spheres because he wants to dominate. He, wants, he has an agenda for evil. So, so I say all of that to say this, that I, that I am very, very concerned when I see a, a party in power that has no honor for our veterans, that has no honor for the flag that hundreds of thousands have fought for, bled for, lost limbs for, given their lives for. The amount of times where a mother and father heard a knock on the door and their throat and they opened the door and there is somebody in uniform with a folded flag. And then we have a culture right now trying to dishonor, lying about our history, lying about our history. I was just in uh, Charleston, South Carolina. We did, a, uh, we did a horse and buggy ride and the sweet young lady was telling us all about the history. We get to one place which they call uh, the slave markets. 40% of all the slaves came into the United States at that market. In fact, she said 
that 90% of the African-American population that, that can trace its roots to slavery goes back to this place in Charleston, South Carolina. So we stopped and we looked, and there was a plaque on the, on the, on the market. And it said that this market began the slave trade in the late 1600s, and it finished in 1775. Finished in 1775. Just in case you don't know history, there was no such thing as America until 1776. Just to help. <laughs> Up until that time, we were a British colony. America wrote a Declaration of Independence in 1776. At the same time, at the same time, they were determining that this nation called the United States of America would not indulge or engage in the same practices as the British that sought to lord it over, that sought to enslave, that sought to create a second-class citizenry. So in 1775, this was stopped. And in 1776, the next year, the nation of America was born. It was ratified. It was ratified with a declaration of independence. It was ratified with a constitution that says that all men are created equal and are in by their creator with certain inalienable rights. I love America and I refuse to let liars rewrite history because there's a devil, there's a demon spirit that wants to shut down honor because he knows God's power does not flow truly where there is dishonor. Satan is the great dishonorer. So the clip that we're about to watch, and I'll get, get you guys just to grab this pulpit. The clip that we're about to watch is, is from the movie Gladiator. Maximus, Maximus has fought a number of battles, and Commodus, who murdered his father Marcus Aurelius, thought that, that Maximus had been executed. He gave orders that Maximus would be executed. But instead of being executed, he survives the execution. Now he's fighting as a gladiator. He was once a general, but now he's a gladiator fighting for his life in an arena. And Commodus controls the, the arena. He controls the arena and he hates Maximus because Maximus stands for everything that he isn't. Maximus is a man of integrity. He's a man of honor. He's a man of valor. He's a man of loyalty. He's a man of prayer. And he's a man of righteousness. And so he brings out of retirement a past champion. And then he rigs the game. And the reason I'm showing this clip is because some of you may have been dealt a rigged hand. The Bible speaks a lot about, about honor. There's a story in First Chronicles where David is with his mighty men and it lists the mighty men. And it talks about the three mighty men. And the Bible says there was a moment where David said with longing, oh, for a drink of water from the well that's in Bethlehem. It wasn't a command. It wasn't an edict. It wasn't a directive. And the Bible says that one of the three mighty men heard David, just, just heard his heart's cry. And so he gets the other two chief mighty men 
The Bible says at that time, that well was under Philistine jurisdiction. The garrison of the Philistines, the stronghold of the Philistines was at that time in Bethlehem. But the three broke through the Philistine army, broke through the stronghold. And while one was drawing water, the other two were fighting the Philistines. When they got the water, got it, they broke back through and they brought the water and they brought it to David. And the Bible says when David saw that the water was, was from Bethlehem, he poured it out. He couldn't, he couldn't drink it. And he said, far, far be it from me that I should drink the blood of these men. I would read that again and again thinking, my God, how, how, how do you train? How do you teach that kind of loyalty? How do you teach that kind of spirit of honor? No wonder David conquered every army that was around about him with that spirit of honor. And then one day the Holy Spirit said, those men, it wasn't innate in them. They learned that through observation. Because about six months earlier, they were with David in a cave. Saul had dispatched 3,000 of his finest assassins to hunt David down like a dog and execute David because David was a threat to his dynasty. David was a threat to the throne. And so they wanted to, to execute David. And the Bible says that the, the, the men went one way and David just by, by happenstance went the other way and went into a cave and Saul went into the same cave. And the Bible says Saul went in there to use the bathroom, went in there to relieve himself. And David and his mighty men were hidden behind a rock. And the mighty men said to David, David, the Lord has delivered your enemy into your hand this day. Strike him. You'll only need to do it once. Or command me. I won't have to strike a second time. Command me. You take him, strike him, and the throne is yours. The kingdom is yours. This is what the prophet Samuel said. The Bible says that David got out from behind the rock, went up, and he cut the corner of Saul's robe. Saul finishes using the restroom. <laughs> and as he walks out, the Bible says David felt so convicted. The men are perplexed. They're like, what are you doing? You got a piece of cloth? You could have slit his throat. Right now, he'd be gurgling in his own, what are you doing? And the Bible says that David follows Saul out and he falls on his knees and he says, my Lord, Saul, the king, this day the Lord delivered you into my hand, but far be it from me that I should dare strike the Lord's anointed. The Bible says Saul turned around and when he looked at the corner of his robe and saw David holding it, realizing that David could have ended his life, but because of his honor, because of his integrity, because of his valor, because of his virtue, he didn't. Saul said, you are more righteous than I. And he says, is that you, my son, David? And he called off his assassins for three months. <laughs> but what was born that day in those men was they, they, they saw an honor in their leader they had not seen anywhere throughout the Middle East in a very, very barbaric, a very, very bloodthirsty. He was a man with honor. And I, I just want you to know that, that here, you, you will find that, the, that we honor leadership. 
here we, and it's not because I, I, I get embarrassed with the, with the praise and accolades and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's not about that I need. It's, it's about that we want to create an atmosphere where God's power has zero hindrance. We, we, want, a, we want a place where God's power can flow uninhibited. Jesus says he could do no mighty work there because of their unbelief is what the gospel of Mark says. But Jesus said it's because of a lack of honor. So what I found is that honor and unbelief go hand in hand just like or dishonor and unbelief go hand in hand just like honor and faith go together. Great is your faith. Your faith has made you whole. So we want to create that atmosphere. So let me just move now. God created you to be a king. A king does two things. A king, number one, protects, and a king provides. A king's job is protection and provision. A king walks with authority. God created Adam to have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, to subdue the earth, to exercise dominion over the earth. <clears throat> God, God has created you to be a king, to, to rule in authority over a territory. Over my house has been many, many times. And, and sadly, sometimes I've been in conversations with pastors. I was just with a, with a pastor the other day, and he was saying that a very, very famous pastor said this, said, hey, you know, sometimes God will allow the devil kind of to be destroying one area of your family or your marriage or one of your children to keep you humble and keep you dependent upon him. I'm very, very careful what I agree with. So I heard the pastor, and he was going through a difficult time. But I, I was not going to amen. Because let me tell you, the devil's not getting one inch. He's not having one inch in my marriage. I've got four kids. He's not having one of my kids. He's not touching my health, not touching my finances, not touching my home. Not to How many people know the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of God? You know what? I'll, I'll just humble myself. I don't need the devil hurting my family for, for, to remind me I'm good. I'll stay humble. I'll stay in that humble posture. Kings, priests. If a king moves in authority, a priest moves in power. The priest moves in power. I don't have time to go into it, but Moses compromises with God, and God sadly will give you whatever you ask for eventually. Moses was meant to be king and priest, but because he kept giving God all these excuses, God says, all right, well, I'll make you the king and Aaron will be the priest. But it was not meant to be that way. And you find that when Moses goes up onto the mountain, Aaron has taken their earrings and made a golden calf. And so Moses has to come down and fix it all up and make atonement for the people because he has to operate in king and priest. A priest's job is to atone. That's what a priest does. But atone and amen. The power of God is in His Word. And you are a priest when you in your home come into alignment with His Word. You come into alignment with the Word of God. In the Garden of Eden, Adam lost everything. When the devil said, has God really said, if you eat off that tree, God knows the day you eat from that tree. 
If Adam would have said, yeah, you know what, devil? God did say that. Back off. I'm amening. I'm coming into alignment with what God said. Everything would have shifted. But because Adam was silent, the largest real estate transaction in the history of the, the world went down. The entire planet that was Adam's was given over to the devil. But Jesus, the Redeemer, comes back and three times he says to the devil, Hey, devil, I'm not even going to argue with what God has or hasn't said. Let me, let, me just, let me tell you what us Jewish people have done. We don't just believe that God said it. We actually wrote it down. We actually have a sect, a sect called the scribes who so believe what God said that we write it down. We meditate on it. We call it Torah. We call it law. Said, so, devil, let me just tell you, it is written. Three times Jesus whoops the devil just by saying, hey, devil, it is written. It is written. When you come into alignment with the Word of God, and the way that you do that is through your mouth, through an amen. The doctors may say, the economists may say, the CDC may say, the, the governor may say, I'm sorry, but I come into alignment with a higher power. If you want to see God results, God, come in line with God's Word. If you want to see governor results, come in line with the governor's Word. If you want to, I don't know about you, but life's too short for me to come in to alignment with the naysayers, the negative Nancys. I don't want to, I'm going to come back to what God has said. I'm going to come back to it is written, and I'm going to come into alignment with that. But gladiators engage and equalize. A king protects and provides. A priest atones and amens. But a gladiator engages and equalizes. A king has territory. A priest sanctifies that territory. But a gladiator fights for that territory. Now let me just say this. That Jesus came down as a, he clothed himself in zeal as a cloak, the Bible says. He put on the helmet of, of of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, clothed himself in vengeance, and he came down and his own arm brought salvation. He defeated the devil, crushed the devil's head, rose again on the third day with the keys of death and hell. And tonight, that the spirit of gladiator wants to, to rest on you. And, and, and I need you to understand something as, I, as I'm finishing. I promise I'm finishing. Is that Whatever you're walking through right now, whatever you're walking through right now is temporary. The, the, the Bible says that, that John the Baptist was in the deserts, was in the wilderness until the day of his revealing, until the day of his manifestation to Israel. God used the desert to prepare. Joseph was in a pit, then he was in Potiphar's house as a slave, then he was in a prison. But the, his destiny wasn't in the place of preparation. The place of preparation was not the place of his destination. The Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb. You were prepared in your mother's womb, but you weren't prepared to 
to live there. You were put together there. You were prepared there. You were fashioned there for life outside there. Right now, some of you are going through war. Some of you right now are going through battle. 2020 was a year where all hell was unleashed. Why didn't God stop it? Because God is using that as preparation for His warriors, for His gladiators. But I need you to understand, and here's the prophetic word tonight, that what 2020 ushered in, what 2020 brought, the struggle, the, the, the backsliding, the back into an addiction, the depression, the anxiety, all of that kind of stuff is preparation. But it is not preparation for you to live there. The preparation is never the place of your destination. That your destination is one where the king, the priest, and the gladiator, the trinity of warrior flows through you where you live in victory, where you live in authority, where you live in peace, where you live in abundance, where you live in prosperity, where, where you live in harmony, where you live God gives you rest all around. A warrior is a king, a warrior is a priest, and a warrior is a gladiator. The gladiator is an equalizer. All the way through the movie, The Gladiator, the odds are stacked against him. Life can be uneven. Life can deal you a bad hand. Maybe you got fired. Maybe you got let go. The, the governor's order shut down your business, shuttered your business. Gladiators engage and equalize. Engage and equalize. The reason we do emerge and the reason we have a men's conference. So here's the thing. If Adam, before sin, didn't realize he needed help, how easy is it for us to think, no, no, I got this. I can do this. I can beat this. You talk to any person who's in a recovery program, the first lesson they learn is if you could beat it, you would have. If you could beat it by yourself, you would have. But you didn't. You need the fellowship. You need the team. You need your brothers. You need the unity. You need the pack. Did you know we saw tigers? If a tiger fights a lion, the tiger wins every time. But if a group of tigers meets a group of lions, the lions win every time. Because tigers fight alone, lions fight in packs. That's why the Bible uses the lion to describe you. The righteous are as bold as a lion. You are at your penultimate when you're in your pack. We're gonna open the altar, we're gonna sing the song, I want you to come for ministry. I want you to not leave tonight without finding your pack. We have 46 leaders, I think it is. Choose one of those leaders, join one of those teams. Tonight, find your pack, don't do life on your own. Come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you tonight that there's not one man in this room, and I, I, and I hear God telling me, 
the devil's the devil's already whispering to men saying yeah it's not this what he's saying is not for you you're too far gone you're too broken you're too sinful you're too defeated you can't you can't share what's going if people knew just just the depths of your sin the depths of your struggle the depths of your addiction yet now see all the men around you they're righteous men but they're not like the devil is a liar the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There are none righteous, no, not one. Don't let the devil have an inch. Don't let the devil's lie remain. If you need help, come down and get prayer. If you need help, God, the God of breakthrough is here. Father, I thank you for breakthrough. Close, clothe these men in the, the, the garment of kings, the garment of priests, and the garment of gladiators. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.